Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuka. Number one, Salt of Tears, Dan Kellen Ashley. All right, and we are also joined to talk about uh, Salt of Tears, as well as some of the rest of uh, Philippe Garel's work by uh, film writer and curator Jordan Kronk. Hi, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you, so thank you for much. having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I guess we're gonna start off by. Uh, you know a lot more than us about just kind of how Garel's career has developed. So if you want to provide some background on that. Sure, I can try to do that. Um, <laughs> Philippe Garel is uh, a French filmmaker. He's obviously, he's been making films since the mid 60s. Yeah. Um, he's 72 now, I think. Um, he kind of falls, I mean, a lot of things to read about him kind of uh, drop him into the kind of Nouvelle Vague era, although he, he started kind of directly after the, the new wave filmmakers that are most right. prominent. He's influenced really by those filmmakers. Uh, so I, I, I consider him more of a post Nouvelle Vague filmmaker, kind of like a yeah. Andre Teschenet or a, right. uh, even Asayas to a point, even though he, he started making films a little bit later, but like uh, Leo's Carax, that kind of generation yeah. of French, French filmmakers mm-hmm. who made films mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s. Um, but uh, he, he kind of started his career in the more experimental vein, um, not really in like the art world sense, but more like in the, uh, I don't know, there, there was a generation of French filmmakers who were making kind of like uh, homages to silent cinema. And a lot of his early work is silent uh, and uh, making films in black and white on 16 millimeter. He was part of a group called the Zanzibar group for a while, which was like a political uh, activist type film collective. Um, so he made films in that movement um, and only really came to narrative cinema at the very end of the seventies, early eighties, um, which is kind of the style he's been working in since then. But um, those early films are really beautiful. They don't screen all that often, but some of them have been revived in the last like 10 plus years. Um, I've had opportunity to see a number of them and they're, yeah, they're really nice. Um, he is, I guess, a child of the May 1968 uh, generation that kind of yeah. influences his mm-hmm. his films to this day. He's made direct, uh, you know, uh, movies about May 1968, like Regular Lovers is probably his most mm-hmm. prominent film. I think it's from 2005, um, yeah. which is about is set in 68. Um, and it's about an activist starring his son, uh, Louis Garel, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he... Uh, in in kind of the late 60s he he made like a documentary called act 201 which was recently rediscovered and screened in can um but that was actual like kind of a documentary about may 1968 um which is referenced in regular lovers as well um so yeah he he's not generally thought of as a political filmmaker anymore he makes very like personal films about uh romance and love and uh infidelity and uh about young people but uh Mm-hmm. that kind of generation or that kind of like attitude really i think uh is present in his films in like different ways now um but yeah he's been making a uh, narrative film since around the beginning of the 80s and uh i guess in the last uh well, the last 10 years or so he's kind of embarked on like a uh series of smaller 
seemingly smaller projects or they're very intimate like shorter shorter films yeah. all shot in black and white which is not uncommon for him but uh beginning with jealousy which i think came out in 2013 um yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been working in a very small scale vein with some of the same group of writers um which we'll talk about i'm sure as well um but yeah like you guys said his latest film is the salt of tears which um yep. i really love as well and premiered, premiered in berlin last year and now I guess it's coming out this month. That's why we're doing this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it maybe even came out a couple of weeks oh, ago okay. in several virtual cinemas. Uh, so yeah, and yeah, like it was interesting. I think he had had a little run of movies that were playing in uh, directors' fortnight, despite by some accounts maybe being better than particularly a lot of the French films that were playing. Yeah in competition it can like i know there's the year where lover for a day come comes out and like two of the other movies that are in uh uh competition that are french are like the uh michelle hasnavisius <laughs> godard movie and the jacques doyon rodin movie. Yeah. no one has seen either of those movies <laughs> why well, had to see both because i was there but yeah no one has seen them since sure, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right but no yes. uh that is a kind of an, interest, an interesting aspect, I think, of his right. late career is that he's like mm -hmm. not um, his filmmaking is just out of fashion. I think it has been. He's never really been yeah. a fashionable filmmaker, but like especially in the last like ten plus years, I think his filmmaking is just like out of step with like how people make movies and how they depict yeah. depict like the sexes and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So some people would consider it like old man cinema, which it probably is, but. Um, that's yeah. it but but as far as like the festivals go that's i think why it's not getting uh mm -hmm. right like the competition play it can anymore he, he you know right. salt, salt yeah. of tears played in berlin competition but like i think can he's always in director's fortnite almost yeah, always yeah. now and right or he'll play uh -huh. in or he'll play in venice or something but yeah, um, i believe uh jealousy is in venice yeah. Jealousy. Yeah. yeah so yeah and i do like if i find it interesting with salt of tears it feels like to the extent that he was maybe falling out of fashion, Salt of Tears even more so. It feels like a lot of people, even who had been kind of on the same page as him, with him, reacted really, at least at Berlin, I remember a lot of people reacting really negatively to it. And then like when it played New York Film Festival, maybe, and since then it's been a little more in line with the reaction to the last few movies. Yeah, I think the way that a lot of like mainstream criticism nowadays is very like geared toward uh i don't know issues instead of like form or style or things like that so th right. they they've turned their back on Garel a while back i think but yeah this last <laughs> film this last film was definitely just like not uh the, the way it, like we were i was saying before like kind of depicts women and how their relationships are with men is like just kind of not how most people would depict that nowadays in films, I guess. So yeah. we can talk about that. It's a little old fashioned, but I think his films are also very like, uh, like they're, I don't think they're realistic. Uh, supposed to be very realistic. I think they're very romantic and kind yes. of like, uh, they do, they depict a kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know, a, a utopia of some sort, <laughs> but, um, anyway, yeah, that's, uh, I guess catches us up sort of, but mm -hmm. yeah. It's interesting to say, like, I don't want to just, like, start jumping all over the place, but it's interesting to say that, uh, you know, he's, like, 
being regarded now as like this old man filmmaker, which like he is like technically. But I Salt of Tears was the first one I watched, and I watched it um, a, like a, I I rewatched it today, but I watched it first like at the end of last year, just sort of for catch up, and like it did feel like a young man's movie per se, but I was just like invigorated by the style. I was like, this is so great. Um, yes. And uh, there's like there's like sparks of things that I just love a lot. Like there's the dance scene near the end, and I like was yes. losing my mind yeah. at it because it's just like out Absolutely. of nowhere. I mean, it is one of it the great. Uh, I'll go, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say we we did a a commentary on uh, let them all talk uh, hmm. last week, or though I think it'll be released next week. But anyway, that has the little. It, the piece of the dance scene and Cullen's yeah. reaction to that reminded I mean, me very much of my reaction to this in uh, in Salt of Tears. He is one of the great uh, filmer of dances in cinema, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His film, A Burning Hot Summer, has a great dance sequence, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that film shot in color. It's really beautiful. But, uh, yeah, that's another just, like, well, he's interesting because I guess he makes films about young people and he's old. That's, yeah, that's yeah, kind of exactly. one thing. So it has that sensibility, like, it's about young people. Maybe it should be uh, approach young people from a certain perspective, but he's not doing that necessarily, but it lends the kind of all his films is really like, I don't know, a through line. They're all very like, you know, everyone talks about how they're so similar all the time, kind of like a Hong or whoever, but there's a lot of variation within that. I mean, not just some are in black and white, some are in color, some are, you know, some more political, some are, uh, scales a little bit smaller some are about we didn't even talk about his like uh early career he he was with uh nico the the singer for for a decade plus and then made movies with her i think four movies and then he made movies about her after she died uh Mm -hmm. up until the 90s so her presence also kind of inflects his work and that kind of like just yeah that 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 sense of youth that i guess is kind of like uh Mm -hmm. people uh, romanticized about the sixties, but he, uh, he kind of embodies that, uh, that sensibility. And yeah, Salt of Tears, like, especially, uh, cause like the three, the trilogy of love, there's like, I would say they, uh, Salt of Tears comparatively is like much more just like a strictly like young person cast. Like, mm-hmm. um, and the shadow of the woman is like, you know, right. sort of not middle-aged, but like older couple. And then you have like, um, jealousy, uh, Garel, uh, uh, Louis Garel is like the star, but then like uh, he's in a relationship with like a bit of an older woman, I think, like for him. And then like, you know, um, Love for a Day, obviously, you have Esther Garel's dad who's with Louise Chevio. And uh, mm-hmm. Salt of Tears is like just like a, you get like the character Luke's dad, but then the rest is just like a bunch of young, right, yeah. young hotties all hanging out. <laughs> Like yeah well that's school. another thing he's like he casts like uniformly like the best looking people in the world oh, it's in his movies. so it's <laughs> like i mean he uh i guess he discovered uh louise chevy who seems to be maybe rising to prominence a little because her first movie is uh lover for a day and i think she i read like a brief interview where like he met her like while she was in acting school I mean, uh and you know she was in synonyms synonyms which i think she's good in though i don't know that i like that movie that much and then she's gonna be in the new uh verhoven right whenever yes. that comes out yeah and i think we actually i don't think we mentioned it she also is in uh, a movie at berlin this year for the third straight year that's in panorama oh, uh, by a first-time french director all right 
yeah she's really good um mm-hmm. but yeah to go back to what you were saying before about the the aspect of like an older characters or generation there are those are scattered within his filmography and like yeah, you see it sure. in you see that in uh salt of tears with the dad like you said um mm-hmm. which he's made movies that are like semi-autobiographical i think about his father who is maurice Garel, who's an actor uh yeah. a very prominent like french actor um so yeah he's in a generation of filmmakers and film personalities and obviously his son and his daughter are now actors um mm-hmm. who are both in his films quite often um <laughs> but yeah i think like the andre wilms character in the new film is i don't know if it can be read necessarily as like about his father but like i think mm-hmm. he pulls from personal experiences like almost all the time so it's not hard it's not a big reach to think that there might be some of him and his father's relationship in there um mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember what uh one of his film i guess it might can't remember what it is now one of his films it seems like it directly inspired by his relationship with his dad i'm blanking on what it is now but um anyway that's not an uncommon thing for him to do um yeah so it does kind of it's in there even though his movies are largely about young people there is the hints of like the generational conflicts and differences yeah um right and like the co-writer too on these last three movies who uh just passed away earlier this month uh uh, Jean-Claude Carrière is obviously also even older than he is. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, he's, I mean, a lot of people credit him with kind of being the, uh, I don't know, the one of the co-authors at the very least behind the last three movies, obviously, literally, but also like uh, kind of helping revive or like bring his career back a little bit to prominence. Um, although I don't know if that holds too, because I kind of put jealousy into those same four films and he didn't co-write that right. one, but they're all of a piece. Um and I think there's one other thing that really hasn't been talked about and I haven't really, I can't speak to it beyond just mentioning it, is like his girl's current wife also yes, co-wrote yeah. like three of those movies. So, I mean, it could mm. be her her influence as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously had many female muses over the years. So uh, it wouldn't be, I don't think it wouldn't be uh, out of uh, step to say that she probably has influenced those films as much as uh, Carrie and... Uh, and I maybe his, and his own family so right yeah to to maybe talk just a little bit about what uh the salt of tears is if anyone doesn't hasn't seen it or doesn't know it uh it the the plot follows this uh young man who uh is a joiner who goes to school to build furniture uh and basically tracks his relationships with uh, three different women that sort of overlap in unsavory ways. Yeah, uh, yeah he... Yeah, uh... that's, that's the main spine of the film, is these three different relationships, and then also his relationship with his father, which leads to the very end of the film. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about the movie is it, and I think why the people reacted to it, the way they did is because it's like for three quarters of the film it's about a guy who like can't make up his mind between like three gorgeous women basically yeah. and like it's <laughs> right. going back to his ex-girlfriend cheating on another one uh but then i think maybe what people by then were checked out or didn't care about the movie anymore is when he meets this like other gorgeous women a woman at the end who kind of turns yeah. the tables on him yes, and starts like yeah. sleeping with yeah. his friend like right in front of him and yeah yeah um right there's the great line that the narrator has that maybe doesn't come into focus immediately where uh 
the narrator says something like, oh, and finally he would meet his match, yeah. and it initially is unclear yeah. whether it's a match as in someone who's a good match for him or, like, he's finally met his <laughs> match in terms of exactly being a bad being in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think uh, yeah. Molly Haskell, like, mentioned... Uh, mm when she i think on a podcast as well which i hadn't heard any anyone really point out and certainly no one a female on her like level of expertise kind of point out how mm-hmm. kind of interesting that kind of turn in the last third is and how that mm-hmm. kind of reorients the entire film and re- yes. readings of it as being like this kind of sexist or uh i don't know uh just blinkered view of like masculinity is like it's really tur- sure. turned on its head by the end and mm-hmm. uh yeah, so she had a good good reading on the film, I thought. He does a similar thing in uh, in the Shadow of Women, also, where like uh, you have the lead character like cheating on his uh, you know partner, and then the second that like he finds out she's also cheating on him, he's like, "This is not good. You can't do this," and like calls her out completely. And she's like, "You're doing the same thing," and he's like, "No, no, men can do this. It's not the same." And he's getting yeah. this like very like archaic view of it, and he is just like similarly to salted tears the guy's just like reduced to like nothing as like <laughs> and then she leaves him because he like is like go and he like can't live without her it's really uh a really like funny comparison i didn't uh fully make until like right we were just it talking is like this. the salt of the salt of tears could also be called in the shadow I mean, of women any of his movies basically <laughs> yeah. sure uh i mean and then he does it also uh in jealousy a bit where it's like Louis Garrel um, is like an actor in this like small theater company and his uh, I think like girlfriend is jealous of him and he uh, he's just like no no like don't worry about it and they like are like fine together and then uh, she's like uh, someone uh, in the at the end of the movie like someone who's like courting her is like you can live in this apartment because they were like in danger of losing the one they were in and he's like, I don't like this at all. And he, like, tries to kill himself over this heartbreak of just, like, the second, the same thing he was doing is done back against him. It's uh, it's really, really funny, I think. Yeah, Jealousy uh, was the one I was thinking of before, which is about, or potentially kind of uh, deals with his relationship with his father, since it's about a, a guy who, uh, or it's about a divorce, and a guy yes, kind of getting yeah. getting on with his life, and apparently that happened around a similar time in Garel's life with his parents. So okay. there's all these little kind of echoes in his own life, whether they're direct kind of like inspirations or what. It's it's hard to say, but it's definitely a there's definitely a thematic through line in his films that like these aren't uh, these are issues that are consume him. Not these aren't like passing mm-hmm. passing things clearly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, jealousy. I because I watched the, the three of like they call it like the trilogy of love, right? Or like the love trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. I watched it uh, chronologically, like uh, within this past week, and what uh, like I watched that and I was like, okay, yeah, like I like Salt of Tears um, a lot. So I was like in with a vibe, and then like it's the same thing because I also watched a Faithful Man, the Louis Garrel movie. Um, where it's just like the run times are too easy. Like you can't be like a 73 minute movie. You're like in and out. Um, and like love it for a day. I thought was short when I watched it. Cause I was like catching up and I think I'd watched like city hall the day before. So then like going into like, this is like a hundred minutes. It's like nothing. Uh, and then the rest of these are like, and like you mentioned Hong and like, I feel like, 
uh, I was definitely seeing just like, oh yeah, like black and white, 70 minutes, like similar cast in all the movies. It's like too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I didn't have a hard time connecting with Jealousy. Uh, I just like, when I watched, like I went like straight into In the Shadow of Women like the next day. And that one I think is like maybe my favorite so far um, that I've seen from him. Because I, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch Regular Lovers or... Um, a bright summer day or um i might have the title wrong there um but uh burning hot summer yeah burning yeah love of her love of her day is also like uh three hours long (laughs) that's oh yeah regular yeah Um, all the rest of the movies are pretty short yeah um but there's like uh moments that i had been thinking about a lot in it and like the title jealousy is like such a broad thing obviously but uh there's this moment where uh louis grill's like girlfriend has this older mentor and they're like at his house and she's like massaging his feet, like giving him a foot bath as he's just sort of like talking about his glory days or whatever. And there's this crazy shot. Cause like, uh, and just like reading about Garel, people talk about his like sort of Brissonian touch of like these insert shots that he just holds on. Uh, and there's this great shot where Louis girl just like stands up and it's just like him awkwardly, like holding his hands, like in front of himself as he's waiting for this guy to walk away. And it's like, that is such, like, to a T, this character who's just, like, uncomfortable the second the attention's, like, not on him from this girl. And it's just, like, such a great touch, I think. Yeah. I think there's a Brisson influence for sure. I mean, he worked with Anne Wyazemski back in the 70s, who was, right, of yes. course, in Brisson films. But uh, maybe not, like, directly in a formal standpoint, but, like, maybe from, a, like, a do- uh, The Devil Probably is kind of like a, like a Garel, a more severe Garel yes. film or something. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's. I think there's resonance there. He he's a cinef- I think he's a cinephilic director, even though I don't. He doesn't much talk about films or filmmakers anymore. But uh, right. yeah, I think he he definitely falls in line with like the. I think, like I said, the post Nouvelle Vague kind of cinephile French culture, mm-hmm. which all these all that generation they have very like prominent prominent influences. Um, now he seems to be making movies influenced by himself, which is yeah. <laughs> which is okay, but. Uh, Right. It leads people to, I think, uh, underestimate each one because they can be seemingly pretty similar. Yeah. And then, like... Um... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I can see how it is... I can see how people are, like, initially slightly baffled by elements of these movies. Like, with Salt of Tears, like, I was... Uh, like there's definitely points at which like oh why does this movie have narration but then you get to points like what I was talking about like with the he found his match where it's like oh this is why it has narration and then like similarly like the score is like it like always like just too bouncy (laughs) like with this piano music uh like you know sometimes it's very bouncy but then like even when something sad is happening then it's like only a little bit bouncy yeah uh but yeah it's like i think that score then leading into the end which uh i'm not really worried about spoiling the film necessarily just the very end i think the the moment of uh you know he loses his father and then he just goes oh and then i realized that I don't believe in God, yes. and so he's not in heaven. And then the movie just ends with the score. Yeah. It's really uh, a pretty stunning moment, I think. It's a great ending, yeah. Like, There's like, yeah. when I saw the movie uh, in Berlin, some people 
after some colleague friends of mine were like, we, we liked the movie. And then the last shot, it became like, it's a great movie. Just with the yeah. last, yes. the last shot and the last line, like it elevated it to like yeah. another level. Cause it like, again, right. like kind of the way it does with the, the last woman, it kind of reorients everything you were thinking right. about the movie. Yeah. And then you sit there like, wait, what, mm-hmm. what was this movie about? You know, cause it clearly by the end, it's more about him and his father than it is about the women and everything else. So, right. mm-hmm. um, cause it is, it's like, it's, easy to watch the movie and just be like oh this guy sucks yeah why do we care about him but like the way that it does like is able to like reorient that character and make you think about him differently uh i really appreciate right and yeah like the stuff with the dad is just like really frequently just like so sad like when uh when the Louise Cheviot character says to the father, oh, like, I think he might have another girl in Paris. And he says, oh, no, that's that couldn't be possible. Yeah. He would have told me we're so close. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh. <laughs> totally. Um, to get back to what you were saying about, you mentioned the voiceover. Like, I think there is a, mm-hmm. it's something he does frequently as well, but um, I think it adds a, uh, there's like a novelistic dimension to his films, even though they're so small scale, like mm-hmm. in, in the sense that they're like mm-hmm. kind of fable-like films, especially the last four or so. So mm-hmm. I think there's that element to it. And the, the voiceover is usually like ironic, like commenting on the action, like kind of a yeah. distance, like a, yes. like a third party's just like kind of making fun of the characters a lot of times. Yes. Like it does that, especially in, in the, the mm-hmm. most recent film. But uh, yeah, there's that kind of, uh, these are all original screenplays, but I feel like they're have some kind of maybe Sicaria influence, but like a, a novelistic uh, approach or like mm-hmm. uh, density, even though they're, slim as far as like the, the I mean, rank yeah. times and stuff there's like yeah I, I dense is like a great word for them because uh, like mm-hmm. in the shadow of, the, uh, of women it's got the uh, Louis Garrels doing the voiceover for it um, mm-hmm. and it's it's just like there's so much in that movie uh, I mean you, you mentioned like that his style is like this like uh, you know black and white and they're, they're all just so gorgeous um, mm-hmm. And in the shadow of women, it's like so much of just like longing looks at people that like anytime it was just like holding for just like a second longer than I thought, like where I would think it would just like cut to like the next thing. I was just like, oh my gosh, because there's like um, the uh, the woman who's like the uh, ex, like the uh, the mistress, I guess, for lack of a better word, in uh, the relationship. She like as soon as the 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 male uh, Pierre like finds out that uh, his you know uh, wife or partner is like cheating on him, he just like shuts down with her also because she tells him, and he just like starts being like incredibly rude to her, and she's just like the most like devastated look. I, I don't have the actress's name right now, but like it it truly just like killed me how uh, and like I I I think about it like in, in the passing days I've just like thought about so many just small looks in that movie that are just so 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 good yeah he uh i feel like he tends to hold on like emotional moments like that and then he completely eludes like unnecessary scenes like time passes in his films like without just from like one cut and you're in like another time period or like months have passed you don't realize it until you're listening to the dialogue um jealousy is kind of like that you can't really sometimes it's hard to yeah. figure out or you you retroactively figure out like how much time has passed in the film which it's not immediately clear sometimes um 
so yeah the way he edits his films is very interesting and it's got more and more like efficient mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's not a mm-hmm. yeah it's just a it's a very unique also maybe that's also a bersonian type technique but uh mm-hmm. yeah it makes for very like yeah. sometimes disorienting uh experiences but yeah there's also like uh like inner titles in jealousy which like he does he yeah, didn't yeah. really do in the other three that i saw which is like a very interesting thing um I do want to talk about Lover for a Day a bit also because we talked about Luis Chevio and I think he's just like incredible. Like it's such like a performance of like playing just completely like even killed with uh, Esther Gorell like as she's like having this breakdown after a breakup and uh, then she also like pitches it so high when they're just like uh, you know like we're going to go out and she like has this crazy freak out. Um, I think it's just a really really great performance. Yeah, I would say Louise Cheviot, I would say the same thing that a lot of people have said about uh, Luca Marinelli, which is that uh, they seem built to be uh, underwritten in a Christopher Nolan <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, truly. Um, no, it's funny you mentioned that kind of, that hysterical moment in that movie is kind of, I think when he was first started to make narrative films, they kind of were rooted in melodrama a little bit more. And you see that still, I think there's kind of melodramatic devices Mm -hmm. used. Uh, It's not as prominent maybe now, but, uh, and like we mentioned before, he made some films like, uh, he made one in the early nineties called I can no longer hear the guitar, which is about Nico, which is like about, about heroin and about like, so it's kind of a much more melodramatic film. Um, Yeah. Those elements are still there. He, I think maybe it leads them a little bit more than it used to, but I think there's so much emotion in the films. It just kind of plays out in different ways, but yeah, that's definitely something that's there. I mean, yeah, maybe lover for a day, like melodrama, like peaking where like, I mean, it happens in jealousy uh, because Louis Garrell, like tries, he shoots himself in the heart (laughs) and then like, (laughs) it, 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 it like doesn't take or whatever. And then the movie, like similarly just like ending, uh, it just ends with him and his like sister and his daughter eating peanuts on the bench, and they're just like peanuts are hard to open. It's like movie over, <laughs> yeah. and then um, you have that in Love for a Day also, where Esther Grell like is pretending to call the house from a phone and saying that it's her ex boyfriend to like make it seem like she's over the breakup or whatever, and he's yeah. the one obsessed. And then like the next scene, she's gonna jump out a window, and uh, Louise Chivio has to like tackle her to take her in. And it's just like peeking at this, uh, these moments, but it, it doesn't really feel like, like it, it doesn't feel like too like, uh, like, it it feels like it, it would happen. Like it's maybe uh, too broad to say that it just like feels like yeah, French people are like they. I would buy this from a French person. <laughs> I think like, uh, yeah, the movies to me are more maybe about the moments that come after the melodramatic exactly, moments yes. you know what i mean like they're in the movies uh and sometimes they're almost unbelievable like if you read the plot synopsis they sound like r- yeah. absurd situations which they are sometimes but then it's like the the moments after whether it's like the peanuts or like that people sitting around just talking or looking at each other without saying anything like that's yeah, where yeah, you yeah. those are the moments i think you remember in the movies and that like sit with you or even like the end of uh salt of tears like it ends right there but like you're thinking about the after math of the death not necessarily him dying and so yeah, yeah. it's 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 a places the emphasis in strange places that li- makes it linger in weird ways but yeah. i will say you, you started talking a little about the black and white 
photography, Cullen, and, like, it does look great, but I think, like, even more so, like, I started watching In the Shadow of Women on Canopy, which is a service that I really appreciate, but sometimes has variable streaming quality, and there was, like, even more so than usual, like, a big difference between watching that and watching uh, The Salt of Tears <laughs> in a virtual cinema versus I... I'm sure it must have been a DCP that I saw uh, Lover for a Day on. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It definitely, like... You know, it's... Uh, an obvious thing to say that movies look better in theaters. But, oh, I get uh, It feels very underscored by these films which are, like, not obviously big, like, flashy go-see-it-in-theater <laughs> no, yeah. movies. Not at all. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, we were mentioning before uh, Louis Garrel's film, uh, A Faithful Man. Um, that's what it's called, right? A Faithful Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is also written by Carrier. Um, and is almost... Yeah, when I saw it, I'm like, this is exactly, this is a, a Philippe Girl film, like, through and through. It's kind of amazing that, Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, purposely done as, like, a, I don't know. I think I think he's maybe just worked with his dad so much that this is the movies he's making. But, mm. yeah, when I was watching that movie, it was, like, wow. And, but I in a, in, a, in a way that I liked and I appreciated it. But that was another movie that was kind of just, like, misunderstood or not really taken seriously. Because it does deal with similar things where, like, the guy... Uh, is also kind of stuck between two beautiful women yeah. and like uh one of the people has like characters has died off screen yes, and, yeah. so it has these melodramatic things in it too that are not the characters are reacting in ways you wouldn't think <laughs> maybe people yes, would yeah. sometimes but it's another one that also switches gears and uh the women end up kind of uh taking advantage of the man by the end as well which i think makes that movie kind of interesting uh to think yeah. about as well in the same way. I was going to say I like uh, A Faithful Man a lot because it plays like the lead as like such a schmuck and like uh, Louis Grill is so funny in it uh, and it, it is truly it's just like a Philippe Grill movie that isn't like sad I think yeah. like it's so funny um, there's um, like it, it, it almost is like like slapsticky because it's like that one is like edited so for comedy I think because there's this huge like scene of uh louis Garrel like running through like these like government buildings uh trying to get to um his like uh the the woman who he's like in love with and he's oh. just like running and sliding and like yeah, yeah. slipping and like it's chopped up so funny and he is like uh even in the opening uh like the the sort of like soap opery or like melodramatic uh plot devices of it is like the movie starts with like his girlfriend telling him that she's pregnant but it's his friend so he has to leave <laughs> and he like walks out and you just see like the door shut and you hear like a rustle and then it cuts to him walking outside with a bloody nose yeah. and it's just like all these bits that are so funny uh, Faithful Man I really liked a lot also it's like um, mm -hmm. Lily Rose Depp uh, I think is really really funny in that it's like she um, is the sister of uh, the friend who impregnated the the girl who then dies <laughs> and she has like had a long-standing crush on louis garrell and like the second she gets him she's just like oh no like yeah. this guy sucks yeah because uh, yeah, like that, um that sorry. movie i think oh just like the humor in that movie i mean you you it's, clearly get it but like i feel like people people <laughs> don't think 
that these movies are funny. Like when yeah, these yeah. things are happening, they're just like, oh, that would never happen. But it's not like, oh, maybe it's no, maybe it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, because <laughs> she like has built them up so much in her head, and like she finally like the the woman who she, she's like we're gonna start a war over him and she's like have him <laughs> and yeah. uh, Louis Grell he he really I think is like uh, I I'd only seen him in like these movies and um, the the Greta Gerwig Little Women um, which he's great in but like in the um, the Philippe Grills he's like a much more like subdued presence until he's like you know it's like like even killed or like sad but in this I thought he was so so funny and uh, he's just like should I bring my books with me or leave them here and she's just like no take everything so he's got like eight duffel bags and he gets to like Lily Rose Depp's like tiny apartment and she's just like Ugh. but it's, it's it's really great and I guess he's doing a sequel to it um, um, I, I forget the title but uh, it's like a direct sequel like about the family and that uh, which I'm like I'm totally here for I think it's like he's got enough rope I thought it was so so funny I didn't know that but that sounds good yeah I wouldn't I'd watch more Faithful Man. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that one also like seventy-five minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andy, did you have anything for Salt of Tears? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't really want to speak up too much just because, like, yeah, I didn't vibe with it really at all. Like, I found the lead to be such a cipher that I like didn't really connect with anything in the movie, unfortunately. Uh, and I sort of by the ending, I was just like rolling my eyes at the at like the 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 the, the, the like the turn of like profundity at the end. Unfortunately, not really my uh, my my tempo, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad you guys are so into I, I it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I called it earlier i think uh, a this guy just kind of sucks movie and that right. i'm aware that so, that's not your favorite uh, yes yeah, so a genre i'm fairly allergic yeah. to <laughs> um yeah i mean there was stuff i liked i really did like the dance sequence so uh, a lot i thought that was like and i and like in fact i did like the music the whole way through i wish there was more music mm-hmm. in it um uh just like in the i yeah i, I like because it started with that like fun piano music i was like oh this is this might be fun um yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, it looks very good. There's definitely a um, uh, a, a lot of stuff, uh, and I and I and I did sort of, um, I you know, I I sort of went back and forth on a few of the uh, the of the of the s- stuff with him and the girls, but I did find sort of the the last third with the with the the more unusual living arrangement where where they are just like living together uh i was like oh that's an interesting premise but um but yeah the, um, unfortunately overall it was just like not not something that i was totally feeling um unfortunately yeah the um i'm just i'm looking at like if there's anything else um the, there's um, Love for a Day. I think, honestly, Andy, you might like one of the smaller ones. Um, yeah, Because they are, like, much more, like, it, it feels crazy to say that it's, like, lower key than Salt of Tears, which is, like, already a low-key movie. <laughs> but, like, Love for a Day, um, I don't know if we ever, like, fully said what it is. It's, like, Esther Gorell goes to live with her dad, who's a professor, and is dating one of his students. And they're like they're the same age, so then like they develop a relationship as like friends, and it's really like, uh, like I think like a really uh, interesting look at just like this female friendship born out of like the relationship to this guy who's like kind of not in the movie at all, um, except for like a few scenes. Um, 
And I think like Garel and Cheviot uh, are like really, really good together. Um, yes. Yeah, his the protagonists, male protagonists are often uh, filmmakers, artists, professors. Uh, you know, in in the in that uh, world, in some sense, uh, which is sort of like a Hong thing as well. Just like yeah, uh, yeah for sure. <laughs> you you start to see like variations on these uh, male characters, which are not always. Uh, uh, sympathetic or like usually the male characters are kind of like a a device of some sort to get the female characters to do things that are more interesting but yeah it's interesting as i was looking back over his stuff i'm like yeah even as far in the 80s and stuff those are males are all directors and yeah it's interesting Mm -hmm. but and then yeah in the shadow of women uh he's like the lead and uh the couple he's like a documentary director and she like edits and shoots for him and that's like a really interesting thing that is just like the small through line of they're like interviewing this like fr- like former like French radical and then it's just like nah he was a phony at the end and they're like at his funeral and he's like what he was a phony yeah but then the lead in the new movie is uh, he's like a woodworker like yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, a kind of a right, random yeah, like right. this guy really, yeah. if you ever met a like a woodworker that's so like I'm gonna he like goes to Paris to go to like you know specific like, class or whatever school. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. right yeah i right. i did like right. the yeah the scene with the dad where he's like yeah people don't like people don't have homes anymore so they're like they're not gonna buy furniture yeah. they're, too, they're all <laughs> yeah, they're nomads like, and you they're know. like planing a coffin and he's like you know i'm the last one to do this right and he's like build coffins <laughs> uh, <laughs> i did want to say also like uh you you talked jesse about their um insult of tears their relationship with the dad that scene where he like gets accepted to the school and the dad's like you're gonna be able to do like what i couldn't and he's like crying mm-hmm. i think it's so so good all right uh does anyone have any wrapping up thoughts on Garel? um i think i mean yeah i'm very like i'm all in now i think I'm, i i i have um like uh, I, I have a way to see regular lovers and I'm like hyped on that. It's just like the, the, the runtime on that one's a bit daunting, but I'm sure it'll it'll go well. And then like, um, I mean, yeah, I got to go back, I guess, to like his earlier work also. Because um, it, it really like is such a, a space that I like to like watching those three. Like I watched, I think I watched Jealousy one day and then like um, in the shadow of women and lover for a day the next day. And then, like, the next morning, watch A Faithful Man. I was just like, I could do this forever. Just, like, <laughs> watch these, like, uh, hot French people go about their romantic, like, foibles. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate that not many of his films are, like, available on, yeah, like, right. DVD or Blu-ray or anything, at least in the U.S. Uh, I think there are some in overseas if you have a region-free player. But, like, otherwise, yeah, you can obviously download them somehow. But, um, yeah, the ones... Uh, I mean, I think Regular Lovers is definitely one to seek out, but also uh, his movie La Enfant Secret, which he, uh, which I think is kind of his first narrative film, which was like from 79, but I think released okay. released in the early 80s. Um, is one of his best, if not his best movie. It's it's very, uh, it's very good and worth, worth finding. Um, and then also um, he made some films in the 90s that I like quite a bit, like The Birth of Love has Jean-Pierre Liot is in it. And, okay, uh, yeah, that's what I I was seeing and looking up that he worked with Leota a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he did. Uh, he I mean he's worked with a lot of big actors, uh, all things considered. But um, yeah, the early early stuff like pre pre his narrative films, uh, 
are even I guess semi harder to to come by legally. But they're they're definitely worth checking out. There's a like I think it's called La Hot Solitudes. It has Gene Seberg and uh, Nico, and it's kind of like a portrait wow. film of uh, or a portrait film like in the like Warholian sense where it's just like their faces, uh, okay. different like a montage of faces. Uh, but yeah, really beautiful film. It's one of the last films Seberg made uh, before she died. But um, yeah, one of those uh, films where you you watch a face and you're seeing like all kinds of like pain and unarticulated like grief behind both these women um but yeah those like kind of earlier experimental films are, are very interesting and kind of uh shed a light in some strange ways on on the more recent films all right well uh jordan uh thanks again for uh yeah, coming please. on uh do you have anything that you want to plug um uh not exactly i have a patreon people can go to there's uh yeah. People can sign up for that. I do. Uh, there's an interview series with other critics and uh, some filmmakers and festival directors about what's going on nowadays with the pandemic and how they're working. Um, otherwise, yeah, I just uh, my writings around the internet and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that uh, uh, Rotterdam is a festival that we haven't really covered. Uh, that I would like to in the future, but uh, your episode of uh, the last thing I saw on that. All right, yeah, yeah, very enlightening. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. People can check that out. Nick Rapold's podcast mm-hmm. talked yep. a little bit about the Rotterdam highlights, um, and a little bit about Sundance too. And then Berlin is on the horizon. Might do another one there too. So you can keep an eye out for that as well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you can uh, find us on Twitter at uh, Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at C-I-K-I-Pod. You can find me on either of those platforms at J.P. Glick Weber. Weber has two Bs, and I don't remember if I have plugged yet, but uh, a week ago uh, I did a podcast called uh, Ain't Debuts with our friend Jack Reed where I talked about well, ostensibly, I was talking about uh, Kelly Reichardt's debut film, uh, River of Grass, though uh, we went down a lot of tangents. But, uh, <laughs> that was a very fun episode that I would recommend people checking out. Great. Uh, I'm Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ on your favorite social media platforms. Um, don't really have anything particular to plug, I guess. I I watched the High School Musical franchise this past week, and uh, you know there's some there's some gems in the in the in some of the rough in those movies. I would say, <laughs> Colin, um, uh, and you also. Oh right, yes. Uh, if you uh, thank you for prompting me to do the other part of my spiel that I keep forgetting about. Uh, if you like what we're doing and want to send us a few bucks to help us to help support us and uh, and uh, encourage us, uh, you can donate at coffee ko fi dot com slash can i c a n n e s i Colin. Yeah, uh, I'm Clatchley on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. And I'm going to double down and plug a Faithful Man. It's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> if you have Mubi in the United States, it's on there right now, as is uh, Lover for a Day. Uh, recommend both of those. I started my morning off the other day with a Faithful Man, and it was just perfect. It's like such a light <laughs> movie. Uh, and the sequel I looked it up is called The Crusade, and it's all oh. about the the child and the relationship selling the family's valuables. So, I mean, it's just going to be... A romp. What's what's not to love there? Uh, Something yeah, to look forward it. to. Oh, and our theme song uh, is by Tree Related. 
Uh, he's on SoundCloud at uh, soundcloud.com slash tree related or Spotify search tree related. Yes. All right. And with that, I'll go ahead and release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.